Stay tuned for Captain Tracy Began of the Living Beyond Pain podcast, produced by the Defense Health Agency. Welcome back to the Living Beyond Pain podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mindfulness and the impact that it really can have on chronic pain. We are fortunate to have Commander Bill McNulty. Thank you, Captain. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So mindfulness is a really hot topic right now. There's a lot of information out there about mindfulness, about what it can do for your body and your mind. Can you help us make sense of all that information and give us first just a definition? What is mindfulness? Well, you're right. It's definitely very popular these days, but it's actually something that has been around really as long as human beings have been around. It's sort of a quality and a characteristic that is natural to human beings. And uh, the definition that I like for mindfulness is one that was developed by a man named Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, who created mindfulness-based stress reduction. And he says that mindfulness is the awareness that results from paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. That's a, that's a pretty simple definition, but uh, when you attempt to start doing that, you quickly discover it's quite difficult. I know for me, sometimes I just go on autopilot on my way to and from work because I'm thinking about all the things I have to do when I get to work. On the way home, I'm thinking about I need to make dinner, what activities the kids are doing. And so sometimes I feel like it's really difficult to slow down and be in the present moment. You're absolutely right. That's what makes it so difficult to do that simple act of paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. We hardly spend any time in the present moment. If you think about where where our mind goes, it's very much like you described. We are almost always traveling forward in time to you know, anticipate a problem that's coming or how we're going to take advantage of an opportunity that might come along. Or we're fantasizing about some time when uh, you know, such and such difficulty is done and life is going to be so much better. And if we're not doing that, then maybe we're traveling backwards in time remembering this awkward conversation that just happened or or some terrible event that maybe happened five years ago. Or we're fantasizing or, or rather maybe reminiscing about some time before such and such bad thing happened and life was so much better. And And in the moments when we are present, when we see what's really happening, it's hardly ever without judgment. We are really quick to evaluate uh, our experience as, as something that we like and we want more of, or something that we do not like and we have to get rid of. And when we make those sorts of judgments of our experience, even though we do it real kind of quickly and almost automatically without thinking, it has a really profound effect on of our experience of that moment. It's not as if I'm suggesting that we just stop judging or making judgment calls and using our abilities of um, critical thinking, for example. We have to do this in order to get by in the world. When we talk about non-judging in the context of mindfulness, it has to do with the quality of relationship that we adopt towards like what we're noticing inside our own skin or the thoughts or feelings or physical sensations that we're experiencing relating to them in a way that doesn't automatically judge them as bad or as, uh, as good, but just rather observes them as experiences that are happening in the present moment. So an example of that might be if I'm driving to work and I'm stuck in traffic and I have the thought, 
uh, I, gosh, I might be late. I'm going to get in trouble. And so now uh, suddenly my, my heart is racing and uh, I've got a sick feeling in my stomach. And this is not helping me get to my meeting any faster, but it's sort of a byproduct of my assessment of my situation as not good. So you talked about the, the paying attention on purpose, just paying attention non-judgmentally, And that sounds like a really difficult thing to do. Mindfulness is about awareness. At its root, I would argue mindfulness is all about awareness. And oftentimes when we are able to simply be aware of our experience non-judgmentally, then oftentimes relaxation will follow on quite naturally without any effort from us. And so while there are ways that we can deliberately seek to and actually be really quite effective at increasing relaxation in our body, mindfulness invites us to change our relationship to our experience and just observe it differently or, well, non-evaluatively, getting curious about what's happening without trying to judge it as good or bad or without trying to make it any way other than it is. And interestingly, what we discover is that when we do that, frequently, the, the pain will change and relaxation will quite effortlessly follow. And even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, by just observing our experience non-judgmentally, well, now we're no longer kind of at war with ourself. We're not at war with our, some aspect of our experience. We're not fighting our pain. We're kind of living with it, carrying it with us with more, you might say, patience and ease of mind. And with that comes more room to maneuver, to respond more creatively in terms of how we're going to work with it and live with it. And so to go back to my example of being stuck in traffic, I might distract myself or put on the radio, or I might uh, try to convince myself of how unreasonable my thoughts are, like, no, nobody's going to be that upset with me because I was a few minutes late. And, and those are all valid approaches. But a mindfulness-based approach would invite me to do something somewhat different. And there's a really useful acronym or kind of a four-step process called RAIN that I frequently uh, invite people to practice at times like this. RAIN stands for, uh, well, the first step is recognize. You know, recognize that this is in fact happening, that I'm, I've had a thought, I'm, I'm going to be late, and my body is having a response to that thought. And then this, the next step, the A in RAIN, is to allow it to happen. Not try to suppress it, not try to distract myself from it, just let it unfold as it will. Now, that's a little harder to do often than, than you know, just to say, okay, just allow it. But with practice, we can get better at that. The next step, the I in RAIN, is investigate. So this is where we get curious about what is actually happening in our body in this particular moment. Not only do we allow it to happen, but we kind of turn our attention to it. And we really notice, okay, so where do I feel this? frustration or this agitation? Is it in my chest? Is it, oh, I notice tightness in my jaw. My face is flushed. My respiration, my breathing is shallow and rapid. Not trying to change anything, just observing it with as much depth and precision as possible. And then the last step, 
N I've already kind of spoken to, but it's note. Right? We, we note what we find there and kind of just label it. You know, we can just say, oh, tension, heat, urgency, and impulse to act. And with whatever words we can think of, and, and honestly, if we can't even think of the word to describe what it is we're noticing, that's fine too. Just the simple act of noticing, like, gosh, I don't know how to describe this, but I see it. All of this functions to put a little distance and perspective between us and what we're experiencing, we give, making it a little easier for us to give it room just to be there. And, and I really think that can be the challenge for us. Yeah, and sometimes, as you point out, when sensations are really quite intense, practicing ring can be pretty challenging. The question that one might ask oneself in the investigation stage to help kind of get that shift of mind towards curiosity, we can ask ourselves questions like, what is the shape of this sensation? You know, what if, um, if I could touch it or hold it, would it be heavy? Would it be light? Would it be rough or smooth? You can ask yourself, is it hot? Is it cold? Uh, what's its color? Uh, is it one color? Is it many? Uh, does it pulsate or is it static? You know, and just get as curious and try to develop as rich and full a sense of this experience as possible. The one other thing, though, I'd like to add about that in, in working with sensations of real intensity, it's an idea that we take from the medical world, and it's a concept called titration. And by titration, uh, we mean you get to kind of dial it up or dial it back little by little. And so in this case, if a sensation is really intense, then perhaps you could practice rain with it just for a second or two, maybe like one breath. And then you back off and maybe you, you know, you send your attention somewhere else, you know, to another part of the body that's not feeling pain, for example. And then when you're ready, you come back to it and maybe you linger a little while longer. And the, the, the point is that you get to decide how close you get, how long you stay there. And as you do that, then we come to discover, hey, we have a little more control and agency in this process and how we relate to our experience of pain than we might otherwise assume. You know, with the different hats we wear and the different roles we have in our life, taking away that judgment, whether it's a parent who is feeling guilty because they can't engage with their child at the playground or, you know, playing soccer with their child, or if it's a soldier or a veteran who used to be very physically active, and now there's some limitations because of how their chronic pain is impacting them. Something I've found with the patients I've worked with with chronic pain is when they start to incorporate some of these strategies and really developing a practice of mindfulness, they start to become more aware of when they do have their good days when they're not having flare-ups that they're enjoying interactions with people. They're able to engage in enjoyable activities and they're more aware of that and that's taking up more space than the pain that's been dominating their awareness. Well, I think just to begin, I want to agree with you and reiterate that this is a, an ability that we all possess, but um, like the ability to speak a language or to play an instrument. But we cannot simply just pick up a guitar, for example, and start doing it. It requires practice for us to refine our abilities, and this is no different. And so to answer your, your other question, how do we go about 
developing those abilities. The first step is, I would say, dedicating a regular amount of time every day, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, to practicing mindfulness, practicing paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And fortunately, there are many, many tools and resources that can help us with this. There are several app-based platforms. Mindfulness Coach is one, and I think there's the Military Meditation Coach podcast. Those are both free, and there are also several commercially available uh, mindfulness apps as well. So that just reminds me of, for our military folks and our veterans that have ever had to do a PT test in the military, and you see those guys out there that two weeks before the PT test, they're trying to get in shape for the PT test, and it's typically not very effective for most folks. So what you're telling us is that mindfulness is really a practice that needs to be developed and practiced consistently. Is that accurate? Yeah, I completely agree. If you think about mindfulness training like physical training, you don't have to join a gym and spend a whole lot of money in order to exercise. You can actually exercise your body by going for a run or even for a walk. And so you don't have to go to a Zen monastery or go on a retreat in order to begin to practice mindfulness and have a really robust mindfulness practice. If we can be aware of it and we can become aware of it on purpose, whatever that is can be the grounds for a really vibrant mindfulness practice. Well, Commander McNulty, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with our listeners about some practical strategies that they can use in developing their own mindfulness practice. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk with you about this, and all the best to you, Captain Began, and to your listeners. So again, we just want to remind our listeners, developing a mindfulness practice is just like physical exercise. You're going to get the most out of it by developing a consistent routine, and you're going to see the long-term results by being consistent and keep going at it. But again, it doesn't have to dominate your life. You don't have to become a Zen master. You can just develop that practice daily and just see what happens and exploring the present moment with that curiosity in mind and trying to do it non-judgmentally. Please download those apps and get started. And we'd love to hear what your experience has been in the comments section below. And please join us next time as we continue our Living Beyond Pain series to give our listeners tools to help decrease their intensity, frequency, and duration of their pain flare-ups so that they can live beyond their pain. The Living Beyond Pain podcast is produced by the Defense Health Agency. Until next time, be well. Be well.